0: Hey witches, it's Phoenix coming at you from before the intro music, what the fuck's going on? Well, let me tell you, this episode of our podcast went on for a while, but we know you've all been super ear horny for us in your feeds, so we thought we would give you the satisfaction of listening to our smooth, creamy voices in two separate parts. So without further ado, enjoy part one of this episode, and Siren will let you know when it's over.
1: (laughs) Are you a good witch or a bad
0: witch? Hello and welcome to Witch Bitches Review. I am almost definitely a lesbian interior decorator. Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. And I am a mason jar filled to the brim with
2: urine, Siren Rex Fry.
1: And I'm a former psychedelic Quaker and current shopkeeper, Nathan Seals. (laughs) (laughs) You so are,
2: sweetie. This is the podcast where two actual witches and apparently their dates analyze and review representations of witchcraft in media and pop culture.
0: In today's very special Valentine's Day episode, we're talking about Anna Biller's 2016 film, the love witch and also my valentine nathan he hee he, he. <laughs> he, he, he is joining us today so thank you for being
1: here oh you're most thank welcome thank you so much for joining us oh you're gosh, welcome exciting. you're welcome it's an honor my goodness my goodness
2: <laughs> you know for you it really is
1: Ah, uh, yes uh just thrilled ecstatic beside myself really Yeah, so we're talking about The Love Witch today.
2: Right, so the movie's called The Love Witch, and uh, the events in the movie make it pretty clear as to why it's titled this, so I'm not even going to go into that.
1: Uh, Yeah, so... I mean, she does actually say, does the thing where you say the name of the movie in the movie. Oh, Yes, she does. Mm -hmm. She she really does.
2: Spell it all out for us.
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: So, according to IMDb, this movie only scored 6.2 out of 10, which I find incorrect, Mm -hmm. and is described as a beautiful young witch is determined to find a man to love her in her gothic Victorian apartment she makes spells and potions and then picks up men and seduces them However, her spells work too well, and she ends up with a string of hapless victims. When she finally meets the man of her dreams, her desperation to be loved will drive her to the brink of insanity and murder.
1: Something interesting I saw on IMDb was the tagline for the movie. She loved men to death. (laughs) Dun dun dun. It's
2: very that. It's so ominous. I know. I know. Um, I was talking to one of our listeners who, it's actually really insulting that I call her a listener because we were friends at first, um, one of my friends, um, Katie, and she she she's listened to us religiously, and she tells me that she is, like, on IMDb a lot, and that the ratings are, like, mostly gonna be done by, like, straight white men who aren't into, like, romances yeah. or...
1: Film bros.
2: <laughs> yeah, basically, or things where, like, a woman's the main character. I mean, obviously we're gonna keep including the rating, but... I just think that's something to keep in mind when we're talking about it.
0: Right at the top, before we get uh, too far into it, I do want to post a little content warning. Uh, this movie does deal with some pretty complex and intense themes, including like physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, as well as like self-harm and suicide. Even though our conversations won't be too heavily focused on those things, if that's something that you don't have the spoons to deal with, uh, feel free to just wait for the next step.
1: That being said, this movie's kind of great. It's certainly not a perfect movie. Film Like, I don't think, you know, it should be getting like 10 out of 10s on IMDb. But I mean, it's significant in the sense that, you know, it's the vision of a woman who like had her hands in just about every part of the making of this film. And it's about a woman centric character. And it focuses on that. Right there. Kudos. Like, we love to see that. But there are some things that are questionable in the movie.
0: Oh. Yeah. I think that this movie is a work of absolute art. Mm-hmm. I love pretty much everything about it, from the camp to the poorly delivered dialogue, the over-the-top set design, the costumes, the color palette, just all of it. It looks, sounds, and feels like something straight out of the 70s, and I think that's really cool. I did, however, I've read some like statements from Anna Biller that I'm not crazy about that are very... Um, problematically radically feminist.
1: Oh, that. Like, yeah. I mean, even just watching it, there are moments where I'm like, mm, this doesn't feel in- like intersectional feminism to me. I mean, like, there are no queer characters, obviously. That's like, and really no main characters of color. So like, they first and foremost. But... Some of the ideas, I'm like...
0: Yeah, mm. the way that, like, men are portrayed in this movie makes it very clear what the writer-director's feelings about men are, which, I mean, fair. Men are garbage. Basically. <laughs> you do, Like, it's just very nail-on-the-head about it, and I don't know how I feel about that, especially after reading her comments where she straight-up says, my movie is about men not being able to deal with their feelings. Like that's just not not hmm. not great. I will I will pull up the actual quote really quick.
2: Interesting. So while you while you do that, I so I I did not regard this as a feminist movie, and I think thinking of it as a feminist movie entirely misses the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. I would give this movie a ten out of ten just because I think it like meticulously accomplishes exactly the writer-director's vision. Um, 100%, but I would never call this a feminist movie and I would not call Elaine a hero. By any means, I think a lot of the concepts delivered by the characters in the film are like supposed to be fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody has their shit together. And I think that they talk a lot of gender politics. And I think all of it is horrible. I always just assumed that it was all supposed to be horrible.
0: So the, the quote is from The Guardian. It was an interview done on March 2nd, 2017. Um, and... The big question, says Anna Biller, is what would happen if men loved women as strongly as women wanted them to? The way women crave to be loved by men. Men are known for being much less emotional than women, but in my experience, they're much more emotional. And that's why they won't or can't open that gate. It would destroy them. And that's what kills all the men in my movie. Having to experience their own feelings. I feel like I went on a
1: whole face journey as you were reading that. <laughs>
0: I just I fundamentally disagree with that It, it just sits really weird with me I was trying to find quotes from her that were like this is what I researched about witchcraft for my movie this is what you know these are the reasons that I chose these colors. These are the reasons, like, I was looking for more depth when I was looking into... instead you
2: found her own, like, kind of problematic gender politics? Yes,
0: instead I found her own problematic gender politics, and she has been called out in the past for lacking intersectionality in her views. While I don't think the accusations of her being a transphobe are necessarily accurate, I can understand where people are coming from after doing a little bit more research into her.
2: Well, I'll be real, I did not research Anna Biller for this. Like, I meant to, and then I Got distracted. And by that I mean I got (laughs) distracted. And I so I don't even really know anything about her, so it's, ha- it's hardly my place to defend her. But I do think we should consider that, like, it's pretty difficult to always answer completely correct and completely what you're trying to mm-hmm. say in every single interview question that you get asked. I mean, she probably didn't have the liberty of being edited like we do whenever we fuck up. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, th- the thing is, this is the only statement about this movie that I can find from her. Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
2: Well, anyway, and like I said, that was not to defend her. That was just to, um, I guess, give her a benefit of the doubt a little bit. See, Mm -hmm. I can see maybe a little bit of added sociological details in that statement that make it make more sense. I don't think men are naturally super emotional or unemotional. I think men have emotions just like, you know, everybody else. And in a lot of countries are raised to, like, suppress them. And so when you go through your entire life with that unhealthy mental strategy and then encounter a situation where you do get too emotional. Yeah, I think people do fall apart over that shit, but I don't think that's limited to just men.
1: I know I fall apart every time I, like, even think about feeling emotion. Ugh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. Yeah, it's a total drag, bro.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh.
2: It's so hard to even capture in words the retro aesthetic that this film has, but that's, I think, what's... most captivating about it for me yeah it does not appear or sound like at all that it's happening in modern times um and there are two instances in the film that like I find like so jarring just because the film is so retro so I guess we're led to believe you know it's it's modern day but you feel like you're in the 60s and 70s the first moment that pulls you out of it is when there's a black female police officer, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right? And the first time I watched the movie, when I saw that, that was when I began questioning. I was like, when is this taking place? Um, Apparently, if I knew anything about cars, but I'm sorry, I'm really busy being a film gay and I don't have time to learn about fucking cars. That's
1: what tipped it off for me.
2: (laughs) Apparently, if I knew anything about cars, then I would have hit it earlier. But for me, it was when you see the black female police officer. And then later when Trish pulls out a cell phone. Yeah. That, like, broke my brain. Doesn't that scene break your brain? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because, <laughs> like, by that point, it, like, the film, like, reestablishes the whole aesthetic, and, like, you kind of buy back into it, and then that just yeah. completely takes you out of it, and you're like, oh my god, Jesus. Honestly, it's mm-hmm. so, it's so camp.
2: But the point is, um, the color schemes, the filmmaking, the angles, the wardrobe, the hair, nobody has modern hair. Nobody Not in this one. movie has modern mm-hmm. hair not a single one the delivery of the lines and the voiceovers are also like very stylized after like 70s films so it just doesn't feel like it's taking place right now at all and it's i don't know it's just meticulous yeah it very uh, all the it, effort that was put into achieving that
0: yeah, and I honestly, like, I'm so captivated by the aesthetic of the film that I didn't even I didn't even pick up on that, and I've watched it several times. Tris using a cell phone didn't really take me out of it until you just said that, because now that I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that wasn't a thing in the time that this movie looks like it's happening.
2: Exactly. So to me, it was really fucking weird. Um, so I guess just to cap off my discussion of that, I, I I interpreted the choice as deliberate, making the film appear to be so far back in time, Because I to me it aligns with all of the gender politics in the film Mm. being so fucking backward, and it also it also kind of makes it feel like because you know Wicca was like created in the 1950s and was like just starting to like boom in America in the 60s and 70s. So for me, for like a Wiccan cult to be the subject of the movie, that kind of also takes it back to that time period for me. Because to really understand Gardnerian and
1: Alexandrian Wicca, like you have to think in terms of like 70 fucking years ago. Like, the aesthetic too kind of brings it back to like almost like the early 80s and like satanic panic. Especially the townsfolk. Like, go home, witches! Like that fucking dude. And (laughs) all of the occult and Wicca stuff is treated uh, like as this heinous thing by the townsfolk. The film is very 70s. It's like very European. I I find it very interesting how a lot of it takes place outdoors. I feel like nowadays movies especially are so clearly either like CGI or they take place like on a huge soundstage or something. I didn't even consider that but yeah you're
2: absolutely right. Right.
1: Like to see scenes that were very clearly shot like outdoors and all that. It was really refreshing to see. Uh, It reminds me of this uh, film by a Ukrainian. Direct called The Color of Pomegranate. It, it was a lot of the inspiration for Lady Gaga's 911 music video. It's like, I think the director was trying to make, like, these huge paintings, like, come to life on film, like a tableau, almost. And I got that sense a lot from a lot of the scenes in Elaine's apartment. Because, like, you know, the colors and stuff.
2: The colors are insane in her apartment, but in a good way. Yeah, and truly. D- yeah.
1: Like, when Elaine walks in and she's like, oh, Trish, I love it exactly my taste i'm like same girl <laughs> <laughs> i know what witch out there listening does not
2: want that fucking apartment honestly or just like the whole house
0: in case someone has not yet watched the movie and is listening to this episode let's introduce the characters yes the, the the first character we meet is elaine she's played by samantha robinson elaine is a central character in the film and i would not call her our protagonist by any means i don't really think this movie has one there are no outright good guys in the film Elaine has a sordid past and doesn't really make the best choices. You know, I'm all about free love, but anytime a person's real or fictional only motivation is finding a romantic partner, things don't go well. Is that a read? (laughs) Are you coming for me?
1: I mean, maybe. The film is really set up like a tragedy in that sense. It's like, no one comes out of this in a better place, really. Truly. At first, no, not at all.
0: The same is true for Elaine. It's clear throughout the film that Elaine has experienced a lot of abuse that has led her to the path that she's on. And it led her to the path of witchcraft, where unfortunately she encounters abuse in a different way. She uses the power that she obtains through witchcraft to manipulate those around her with rather disastrous results. I think Elaine is kind of a cautionary tale of love magic in a nutshell. You know, I feel like the things that happen to Elaine are the reasons that people are like, Don't do love spells.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, that's all accurate, but, like, you just didn't really cover the fact that Elaine is also, like, a fucking murdering psychopath. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, she she is. Because, like, that's that's a thing.
1: Like, if, you know, <laughs> like honestly, if they had taken s- some of the mock wedding out and like some of the ritualistic stuff out, this would be a straight up horror movie about a psycho murderer, like making her way up the California coastline. Like
2: basically. And I think you making that comment is the perfect time to ask the audience and both of you to consider, would we like this movie as much? If Elaine was a man and her victims were women?
1: Definitely not. Doubtful, no, absolutely doubtful. not. We would not. Nope. I mean, she truly is... uh, She's like Eileen (laughs) Mornos.
2: I think this is a very clear example of, like, things that are regarded as disgusting in men can be regarded as empowering in women. Mm -hmm. Even though there's really no fundamental difference in how awful they are. Which is another reason why it would concern me if anybody actually thought this was a feminist film and Elaine is what a feminist should look like. Because no. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Um, So, Trish, Elaine's... uh, friend <laughs> played by english actress laura waddell trish is a supporting character and the possibly lesbian interior designer that is responsible for designing the fantastic apartment elaine lives in during the movie i find trish to be the most sympathetic character yeah i, don't, I kind of identify with her trish to me represents like the more modern woman who is actually a feminist and like cares about herself and doesn't always put her man first and like has her own like dreams and goals. The only person that Trish really interacts with a lot is Elaine and Elaine tells her that all of those qualities are terrible. <laughs> and to me, Trish is like the foil to Elaine.
0: I definitely agree that she's the most sympathetic character. I am pretty sure she's a lesbian.
2: There is a sapphic vibe in this room, Henny. Be that. <laughs>
1: So, next we have Griff Meadows, who's played by Guyan Keys. He's a police officer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He is both investigating Elaine and falling in love with her, you know. You know, as one does. Very professional. Um, He doesn't really get the whole witchcraft thing, but, you know, at least he tries to be supportive. Uh, He has complicated feelings about being in love and doesn't want to accept that, you know, Elaine is pretty bad. Bat shit. He's very he's very much the Andy of the movie for tying it back to charmed, you know.
2: <laughs> he's that. Um, Griff is very like Andy and Prue, but he's also like very Gary and Sally from Practical Magic. But it's almost even more like Gary and Sally because he doesn't show up until halfway through the movie.
0: It's,
1: well, no, that's not true. Uh, he does make an appearance in the very beginning of the film. He is the police officer that pulls Elaine over.
2: Oh, he was?
1: It's the same actor. Well, how
2: did I fucking miss that? It,
1: it took me like what on my fourth viewing of it before i was like wait a minute i noticed it the first time oh well excuse yeah. me <laughs> i'm just more observant than the two of you i'm sorry the next
0: character is i don't know how to say his name i think it's Gayan. Gayan. Gayan, played by jared sanford in my opinion other than elaine this is the worst character in the movie uh yeah. Uh he's a predatory religious leader. What a surprise. And even though he's like a representation of misogyny as a whole, I think Gayan also displays a lot of what was wrong with early Wicca and the philosophies of Gerald Gardner.
2: Yeah, I feel like that Gayan is um exactly supposed to be Gerald Gardner, honestly. Like that's the vibe that I get from it. What a name though, Gayan. We're like not gay enough, you know?
1: What are you doing over there?
2: Gayan. <laughs> 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 yes, you are. <laughs> so then there's Barbara played by Jennifer Ingram. I didn't completely get Barbara until my second watch through, because on, like, the first watch, it just sort of seems like she's a bad actress. Mm -hmm. All of her lines... Okay, Barbara's lines also sort of take you out of the retro aesthetic for me, and I just thought that she was very strange. The way that she talks doesn't really fit the aesthetic of the movie at all, especially when she's, like, doing rituals, because she's the, the coven's high priestess. She just seems very informal and conversational all the time, and I thought that that was weird, and, like, maybe... This was not the right actress. And then I watched the movie again. And I realized that it... All has a purpose. Um, now Phoenix has noted that she's brainwashed, which I think is true, but I think there's a deeper analysis Ooh. necessary of that. So, um, some of you may know, especially if you've watched my Coven's video, The 161 Rules of the Witch and How to Break Them by Millennial Incantations, where we read a popular Wiccan doctrine called the 161 Rules for filth. Part of that early Wiccan manifesto says that when your high priestess gets too old, you just retire her and trade her in for a younger more beautiful model
1: oh.
2: you know so look at like how just crusty gay is, and then look at like young conversational informal possibly uneducated brainwashed Barbara who's
1: been burlesque dancing in San Francisco
2: yes yeah, so I think that he's her new high priestess that he chose purely for her youth and beauty so that he could fuck her oh
1: I could I can see it yeah
2: so when I thought about it through that lens I was like okay Barbara makes perfect sense to me.
0: Let's talk about... All the men that she kills. Um, the first one that we see murdered on screen is Wayne, played by Jeffrey Vincent Paris. He was like a womanizer and a wannabe intellectual. And that doesn't mean he deserved to die. But like, we don't really get to know him very well. But my one of my favorite lines in the movie is when Elaine is smoking and thinking to herself, what a pussy. What a p-
1: <laughs> So funny. <laughs> so, so funny.
2: I think I mean, I think he's just supposed to be like the like sketchy professor who likes to sleep with his students like i think that was just the whole
1: motivation that was the vibe i got as well i mean he's talking to like the blonde what's her name in the park and she's holding like lord byron and stuff and it's like i like books too um and then elaine like lures him in with her like icy glare like elaine used a mean look now <laughs> like a pokemon all of these men are kind of like treated like objects you know mm-hmm. they
2: are they are all very one-dimensional which mm-hmm. i guess is a is a reversal of how we see a lot of women in film
1: yeah
0: and they're all kind of frumpy looking
1: yeah i mean uh, like richard the the next victim yeah richard is an adultering husband and and why why he why he ain't got no eyebrows Why he ain't got no eyebrows.
2: His face is very... Mm, like, made of Play-Doh? Like, I just... I <laughs> he, has
1: a, he has a very defined brow. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
0: then we have the next victim... Uh, or, well, I guess maybe the first victim is Jerry, Elaine's mysteriously dead ex, mm. played by
1: Stephen
0: Wozniak. <laughs> Not
1: to be confused with the founder of Apple Computers, Steve Wozniak.
2: <laughs> we really... We only see um Jerry in flashbacks.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And they're really just flashbacks of that time Elaine killed him.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: But he does have like a weird voiceover in her memory.
1: Yeah. It's like what he's saying before he's about to like leave her for the first time I guess. Sounds like she was soups depressed and how typical of a man to just jump ship at the first sign of mental anguish. (laughs)
0: Well I mean she also killed
1: him though. (laughs) But like but the sense I got was like he left her. They were married. He left her. She got really uh, cause she was like really sad and stuff and then she supposedly was reborn as a witch like this happened during the conversation in the tea room and like she's like and then i was reborn as a witch and then she tried to get him back by using that love potion but girl those herbs kill
2: no actually so that makes more sense because i always just sort of assumed she poisoned him on purpose but now that you say that it probably was very that yeah i just want to say that jerry has the most 70s fucking hair yeah
0: i was gonna say truly he looks like he's straight out of the 70s like he
1: does not he is not of this he looks like he could be an extra on harry potter and the goblet of fire let's talk about music in this movie
2: please do
0: so the music in this film I don't have uh lots of tidbits in the most mind-boggling way the way I did when we talked about the witch but the music in this film is really interesting there are a couple of songs that happen which upon further inspection kind of narrate what's going on in the scene music also plays anytime magic is happening which is a pretty common theme in witchcraft media but what this one does that's pretty interesting which is similar to what happened in the witch is they'll use different instruments and different styles of music to indicate different types of magic or what the vibe of what Elaine is doing is. One of the examples is in the striptease scene. The music is supposed to sound like it feels like it should have like a jazzy sultry vibe, but there's just something wrong with it. Notes that don't match up or it's a little offbeat. There's always like something about the music that is uncomfortable or weird. When Elaine is using magic,
2: what do you what do you think about the like the sound that plays whenever she uses mean look, as Nathan described it? Because there's like a very unsettling sound when she uses her witchy stare, love magic thing. It doesn't feel like love magic to me. Yeah,
1: no, it's like very her using mean look. It's very similar to the witch in the way that they use whenever shit would start getting weird, it, like a musical cue. Like they have the original original like composed score for the movie that is all of these sound effects that I feel help convey something that can't be seen. Cause you know, we're talking about magic and energies and what have you. And you know, it's something that's like intangible and, What else is intangible? Music. The music helps
0: give you a perception of the magic without using visual effects.
1: Yes. Yes, it says.
0: Right, because there
2: are no visual special effects for magic in this movie.
0: Yeah, that's one of the reasons I love it.
2: I love it a lot. And I actually kind of feel like this is... Mm, this this sucks to say this might be for me the most accurate portrayal of witchcraft in a movie and doesn't it suck that she's a fucking serial killer yeah Yeah, so let's just
0: let's just skip right into how this movie defines witchcraft because witchcraft in the love witch is effectively used as a multi-layered metaphor right but it's also used effectively as itself the portrayal of witchcraft in this movie is painfully accurate like you said it sucks that this is one of the most accurate representations of the craft out out there and it's done in this way
1: right like this awful awful character is in this movie where magic is treated with reverence almost i would say yeah it really sucks
2: do you know what i think is weird you know i we've bitched a lot about how like people use the word wicca incorrectly when they mean fantasy witchcraft whereas this movie is really about wicca and they only use that word twice and both times it's in sort of a jokey context but that she always calls it witchcraft which not that you can't you know be a witch and a wiccan that's not what i'm saying but i just think like wicca would be a lot more accurate for a lot of it
0: I ag- i agree because what they're doing is wicca
2: the the ceremonies the rituals the initiations like that's all early wicca all of it and it is very accurate
0: yeah it's based on early wicca and not a fantasized version of witchcraft which is something really unique to this film that I don't think really has ever been done before. Mm-hmm. I don't think so either. Yeah, but it, that
2: just highlights how unfortunate that it is that we're led to, to
0: believe that this Wiccan
2: character is, you know, a psychopathic murderer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, with also just really unhealthy gender ideas and relationship <laughs> ideas, truly, and a lot
1: of and a lot of emotional baggage.
2: I'm okay with that, but it's just like, can we can we ever get a movie that accurately portrays witchcraft and like it's about which characters that aren't like total anti-heroes to everything we stand for can we get that movie
0: please so with that being said let's get into some of the things that go on in this episode
1: this okay so picture it Sicily, 1922. <laughs> um, oh, no, wait, wrong show. <laughs> so the film opens with Elaine driving her convertible on the Pacific Coastal Highway in California, and she's running from the pesky inconvenience of a dead husband. Ugh. <laughs> Who needs him? Who wants him? To be fair, I have a live ex wife, so I would probably prefer a dead husband. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, Elaine's uh, cruising along and just reminiscing about possibly killing her husband, uh, possibly on purpose, possibly accidentally, who knows. Um, and she's also remembering her initiation into Wicca, where we see penis. That's another thing we can celebrate about this movie. So many penises. Like, bravo.
0: There's so many penises.
2: Yeah, if nothing else, thanks for that, Anna. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I love full frontal in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, her voiceover like, regales her problem and her intrusive thoughts and it becomes clear very quickly that this bitch needs therapy.
1: An actual good therapist? Because she does mention having a therapist who essentially says, oh, baby, 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 people have it so much worse than you. Calm down. (laughs) All right, so she's pulled over by uh, the sexy cop love interest who will come back into the story later. Spoiler alert.
2: Although you might not notice, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, he pulls her over to be like, your tail lights out. He lets her go with a warning and she is like, (laughs) oh, Oh, thank fuck. He doesn't realize I'm on the lam and I didn't even have to show my tits.
2: You know, I didn't even get the point of that scene until you pointed out that it was Griff who pulled her over. Like, I never understood why it was happening. I'll tell you what I was preoccupied with is that she is driving and like her, t- her loose tarot cards fall out of her purse. Mm-hmm. Who
0: carries their cards like that? You
2: messy bitch. No one. You messy bitch. But her loose tarot cards fall out of her purse while she is beating in like a convertible with the top down. I feel
0: like they just just done blown out the back <laughs> they totally would so the three of swords falls out of her purse and that's a pretty common image through the movie and I think it's obvious why it's the imagery of the heart with the swords in it heartbreak anguish nah, nah. the three
2: of swords does mean heartbreak but it's literal definition like writer Wait Smith by the book is pain that is caused by truth and it's of course this is um foreshadowing to the end of the movie quite a bit of that
1: it's like you know a loose metaphor and then in the the ending it becomes like an an actual one. The use of color in the
0: movie immediately stands out in this first scene. Like, everything is bright. Saturated. Oversaturated. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Good word. So the house that she pulls up on is basically what the charmed house would look like on Drag Race.
1: Mm-hmm. Very that. <laughs>
0: basically, it is that... And it's like so like, it's like black and
2: purple and so vibrant. I fucking love the house.
1: Yeah, the the Charmed House is regular season and then this house is all stars. 100. <laughs> uh, so she's like driving along coming up to this
0: house and her voiceover is like according to experts, men are very fragile.
2: I didn't get the whole like Elaine's characters based on self-help books thing until you said it, but that's, it's exactly what it is. Everything that she says is like she has just been binge reading the most awful dating advice books written by cis straight women in the 50s. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, we meet Trish in this scene who immediately hits on Elaine. She's an interior decorator in a pantsuit, driving Having a bmw driving a bmw and we're supposed to think that she's straight
1: No.
2: She has the most lesbian-ass hairdo, too. Yes, she
0: does. (laughs) Yes. I I think the color difference between the two of them is very intriguing to the eye. Elaine is in, like, this very bright red, and Trish is in this kind of, like, muted salmon pink color.
1: You know what it is? Neither of them are blonde. Oh. I feel, I, I feel like, I feel like that's why it stood out to me.
0: When Elaine says that she used to dance, Trish checks her out. Did anyone else notice this?
2: Trish eyes her up and down, Mm -hmm. like, bites her top lip. She's like, Oh, dancing Uh, bites her top
1: lip in San Francisco like a bulldog.
2: Yeah, you know
1: You gotta show off the bottom row of chompers
2: Oh, my favorite, my favorite thing This is, like, one of the uses of the word Wicca My favorite thing that Trish says is She's into all that Wicca stuff
0: <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yeah They're, like, walking up to the apartment that Barbara is letting Elaine stay in And Trish is like, she's into all that Wicca stuff It's one of the best lines in the movie
2: <laughs> It is, but it's so trite, you know The, like, mention of Wicca And it's, like, coming out of a character who doesn't understand What it's about and mm-hmm. doesn't know what she's talking about it's like one of the only times the label is used.
0: And the uh, the apartment, though, when we get into the apartment. Oh. Uh. Bitch. Oh, oh, bitch! oh my god, it's beautiful. The
2: apartment is the most beautiful set of the movie. The, apa- the apartment's iconic, just to witches everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you can't watch this movie and not be incredibly envious mm-hmm. of where she lives,
1: of just everything from like the paintings to the wallpaper to the decor to the massive herb-like shelves to like all of the all of the like chemistry set, basically.
2: <laughs> yes, Trish does say when she's talking about it that it was painted in the colors of the Thoth tarot deck and we're in this apartment for a lot of the movie and Elaine enacts a bunch of scenes from the tarot so this kind of goes back to what Nathan was saying about like a tableau like I really feel like the apartment is set up mm-hmm. for Elaine to be acting out tarot cards and it's deliberate and like specific cards that she does are thematically aligned with the story.
0: Oh wow! Mm-hmm. You know what? I have a book called Tarot for Writers and I wonder if I have
2: that book too! I <laughs> wonder
0: <laughs> wonder if maybe Annabella read that for this movie. That's possible. Uh, the two of them go to this gaudy-ass tea room and it is one of the most epic things. Uh,
1: speaking of great sets, like...
0: Honestly.
2: The tea room is, like, a giant representation of, like, a vagina.
0: Like... (laughs) Yes.
2: Don't you think so? I didn't
0: pick up on that, but...
2: It's women only, it's all pink, everything is super fem. Lots
0: of flowers.
2: The tea room, it's, like, ideal, puritanical,
0: unattainable feminine is
2: what this tea room is. Mm -hmm.
0: Trish and Elaine are there and Trish is like trying to find out Elaine's kinks. You know. And listen, if being a fairy princess is a kink, you might as well teach us the safe word now. Elaine has this line and this is where we get one of the iconic lines of the movie. She says, the day he left me was the day I died. Then I was reborn as a witch. And I swear (laughs) to God that Elaine and Siren are the same person. I s-
2: well, okay, fuck you <laughs> But may- maybe not re- I've never, like, murdered Anyone yet <laughs> you
1: are- I love that you quantify That with yet
0: I mean, maybe not, but you are super into Knife well, plays I, so. I don't know
2: when people are going to be listening to this podcast Like, things could change in the future You know,
1: it's 2022, things are super volatile
2: I've done a lot of things I've never done Before lately <laughs> 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 Ever since I downloaded Grindr
1: um, Ah uh, uh, yes, grinder, <laughs> bringing opportunities to queer people everywhere. Even um. in Indiana.
2: <laughs> <laughs> then I was reborn as a slut.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Blanche Devereaux. <laughs> so we
0: we get some more shots of her initiation in the scene. There's lots of nudity, being bound and blindfolded. Um, the great rite is performed over the top of her. There's some like foot kissing going on. It's like Ugh. a whole thing. Um, and it's it's really Nathan has pointed out that it's the the shots of her initiation are very contrasting to the tea room set that they're in. So I don't really know what it is about the setting that triggers that for Elaine, but apparently her initiation was rough.
1: Yeah, I mean, something about being, you know, corseted up and in all these, like, petticoats or whatever you do put on to go to a tea room. That just makes her think about, you know, bondage, blindfolds, knife play, nudity, (laughs) full peen and bush, like...
2: So we never see the full initiation scene. It's told to us sporadically in, like, flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which I think makes it all the more disturbing, because it has this ominous, traumatic memory
1: quality. Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of left to fill in the blanks. (laughs) That's always a gateway to you just filling it in with your own traumas. So, ooh, scary. Well, and I think, I mean, I think the you
2: know what's gonna happen in that scene. You know what's coming, you're just not sure when you're gonna have to watch it. All of the men in this movie are a bit frumpy, and they just have really I can't get I can't say it enough their hair but also like their faces are just they're not modern I don't know how you can define like a modern face like from like a classic or more historical face
1: what makes the men so frumpy for me in the movie are like the clothes that they wear I noticed too that the color palette for the men it's like very muted it is
2: well and if they're they're especially um muted when compared to like Elaine who's always in like red or and all like black red. Bright. Yeah, but she always has, like, like super bright eyeshadow. And her clothing is lined in rainbows. She's in, like, her, like, color apartment or the, like, super pink tea room. You know, just compared to the other characters in the sets, of course, all the men look extra blah.
0: Yeah, so we meet Trisha's husband in this scene. This is the first time we get the weird music with Elaine using magic. She takes one
2: look at him, knows that it's her new friend's husband, and she's like, what if I fuck that guy?
1: Yeah, which is super, super shitty like yeah.
2: <laughs> that's a little toxic elaine um be better okay
1: when elaine uses mean look it's very much the prue eyes like in the early uh first season of charm it is very the
2: prue eyes yes because yeah. there's
1: like she obviously like squints her eyes but then there's obviously then there's like this zoom in on her eyes mm-hmm. that they do on charm the song that
0: starts playing in the tea room Annabella wrote and produce that music and it's fucking wild. I'll put a sound clip in because it's just insane.
1: And like
2: do you feel like like (laughs) Elaine's coven is just like everywhere that she goes and they're like Yes. They're like the entertainers just everywhere.
1: Yes, because Mm -hmm. like, I noticed on the most recent watch through, like, it's the heart player in the coven too, because she like, I don't recognize her from any of the scenes, but she looks, but when she's singing, she's singing kind of directly to Elaine, like her eye line matches up with Elaine. Yeah, that's something I noticed on the last playthrough. Yeah, so
0: it's kind of implied that Elaine wants to fuck Richard in this Mm -hmm. scene. And just like the lines that Elaine delivers here, it's just, it's. Siren, when we have a conversation, <laughs> okay, Look, o- probably Elaine is obsessed with getting dick, just like Siren. I mean, she gets caught up on the wrong men, just like Siren. Okay, she's a shady bitch, just like Siren. Well, yeah, if you set this movie in a cemetery, you could call it a documentary. Okay, okay, that's fair.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, but who isn't obsessed with getting dick? Truly. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah.
2: Nobody I talk kn- to on the reg, although mostly I talk to Phoenix, so...
1: <laughs> Apparently Elaine is obsessed with getting dick, too, because, like, the next thing we see is, like, we see the first of, like, three kind of ritual scenes. She makes some candles and stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. So the subsequent scene, we learn that Elaine makes all of her own she spell does. supplies. Now,
2: before, before we get into misspelled um this entire scene is based on the magician tarot card every single every single shot of it looks like the magician tarot card and it just almost looks mm-hmm. like oh yeah they, like got inspiration from several different decks and did like all of them but elaine is very the magician here
0: she's very the magician here um i think her book of shadows is like more accurate than any book of shadows we've ever seen on any movie ever
1: Mm-hmm.
0: um it's it's pretty legit and like some of the pages have like altar setups in it and like it's it's very legitimate so as she flips through the pages we see that she's preparing to do a love spell so let's get into misspelled This is Miss Spells, the part of the show where we critique the spells used by TV witches and talk about how a real witch might do the same thing. So the spell that she
2: is doing from her book reads, To attract a lover to your side, mix the following together in a mortar and pestle. Now it lists a bunch of herbs, but as we go through it, we're going to talk about the traditional uses of these herbs. Okay, so the first is juniper berries. Uh, Which is protection, anti-theft, love, exorcism, health. So it does have love in there. Henbane, which, mm, inadvisable to put that in a potion to drink. Yep. Inadvisable. Um, I do think in very small quantities henbane will not kill you. Just like kind of fuck you up a little bit. But it is poisonous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And large quantities of henbane will kill you. However, old superstition, to find a man who will love you, gather it naked in the morning while standing on one foot. If there any prerequisite to love that requires me having the slightest modicum of balance means that I am a cat lady for life (laughs) bitch.
1: (laughs) I mean, do you even need to be gathering the henbane? You can just stand outside naked on one foot and you'll probably get a man.
2: I guess, yeah, yeah, you know? (laughs) I don't know. Why overcomplicate it?
0: (laughs) yeah. Uh, So then we have rose petals. Mm. I mean, duh, right? Uh, I did read, though, that a single rose on an altar or in a vase acts as a love aid, and Elaine does have a single full rose with her when she does her spell. I think uh, roses are associated with love and romance today largely because of Valentine's Day and gifting them to, you know, your significant other.
2: Well, I mean, yes, that's true, but that tradition is, like, older than Valentine's Day because every color of rose has a different meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, And, like, the old-timey language of flowers that not a lot of people know about anymore. But yes, like, Red Rose was, like, the ultimate romantic passionate love. Or whatever. Um, Elder Flowers are used for exorcism, protection, healing, prosperity, and sleep. Not explicitly love-related, although apparently they used to be gifted at weddings to bring the couple good luck. Maybe um, Elaine saw sleep, and she was just like, I'm gonna sleep with my friend's husband. (laughs) (laughs) vein for love, protection, purification, peace, money, youth, chastity. Oh. Ooh, that ain't working out for you, Elaine, girl. No, it's oh. not. Mm-mm. Sleep and healing. And I hear that if you imbibe it, then those stupid ass vampires on the vampire diaries can't tell you what to do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the last ingredient is Dittany of Crete, which is used for manifestation and astral projection. So I mean, yeah, you could use that in a love spell, I guess. Oh, I, I actually had this one confused with the bomb of Gilead, which I think would actually be a more effective ingredient in a love spell as they're used for many different results in love magic, including a love potion made with red wine which is exactly what the base of Elaine's potion is.
2: Elaine's Book of Shadows instructs her to add the herb mixture to red wine and boil. Then she has to drink the potion while hot, while laying on the ground naked, praying to the goddess and chanting, love me, love me, love me, until she falls asleep in her circle of homemade candles.
0: That's dangerous, girl. Yeah. Fire A hazard. little
2: bit. How many times have I said, do not fall asleep surrounded by candles? Do you know why I would never have those candles? Because the rug that she is on is the most bitchin' fucking thing. Yep. In her whole apartment. Sure is. And I need you guys to know that I scoured the internet trying to see if I could pay any fucking amount of money for that rug after I saw this movie. And it does not exist that fucking rug was specially made for this movie
0: yeah oh that fuck you annabelle how Er... is that fair (laughs) how is is that fair that's not fair That's not i actually really like her altar setup though and i think she has the perfect number of candles Perfect number. Well, that's Mm -hmm. new. That's a new... That's a first. I'm growing. I'm growing.
2: (laughs) You're growing into someone who doesn't say the exact damn thing every time we record. Wow, Phoenix, I'm proud
1: of you.
0: (laughs) I think those are some pretty legit sounding steps and ingredients. Honestly, I mean, I just did like kind of a love spell the other day, but it was like on myself to stop being such a fucking jerk to myself. And I I mean, I did... Something similar-ish, I guess. I gathered some herbs, I lit a candle, and I wrote down some shit. So, like, yeah, you could do this.
2: I think the love spell's totally legit.
0: I don't have any critiques of this spell because you could do exactly this. I don't either.
2: Yeah, I mean, like shit. If my date on Saturday doesn't go well, this is Plan B, okay?
0: <laughs> Other than the henbane thing, obviously, be careful when ingesting herbs. Don't. Um, oh
2: yeah, no, I won't be doing that.
0: Don't, no. don't, uh, <laughs> don't ingest anything that's toxic. But you know, if you're looking for love, if you're on the market, this would work. It would, it would be fine. Now, a simplified version of this spell, which is how you're going to find me, probably
2: about mm, Sunday, is where you just get naked and drink red wine on the floor until you pass out. Miss. <laughs>
1: we are about to meet my favorite character, <laughs> Wendy the shopkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine takes her wares that she made um, the previous day and goes to a shop called Moonrise Herbs Magical Apothecary and magic is spelled with a CK. Um, yes,
0: it's spelled like how you would spell magic
1: talking about witchcraft magic. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Which is
2: um, sort of highly controversial but that's how I spell it but personally. It is mm. how I spell it as well, yeah.
1: Alright, so she She's going to the shop to sell her wares, um, Phoenix would have a ball. At, i went to the store. Oh my God. Wendy would get like 150 out of you every other
0: week. I would spend <laughs> so much money at this store. Yeah. So it, much money. It's really money. fucking
1: cool. The
0: broom in the window outside, I want it so bad. Yes. I want it so bad.
1: hmm Yes, Elaine walks up to the counter and Wendy is wearing a Quaker outfit with a full like frilly bib. <laughs> But it's a psychedelic print. So she's a psychedelic Quaker, if you will. And <laughs>
2: yes, hello, Mrs. Oates. Yeah, basically.
1: I mean, she clearly had a full bar of Zanny because she is just so chill. Elaine walks up and is like, hello. And she's like, hello and then she's like looking at the wear she's like oh yes these will do these will do well (laughs) like Mm -hmm.
2: these are nice (laughs) bright blessings you know i totally see it now i didn't get i did not get drugged off of wendy like i thought wendy was just being like a stone cold bitch for no reason like that's what that's the vibe i got from her like
1: very shopkeeper in new york like if you need to ask the price, you can't afford it. <laughs>
2: well, whatever her reasoning is, Wendy is dead inside. Yes. Like, <laughs> truly.
1: Yeah, she just gives no fucks at all times. Zero. Just zero yep. fucks. <laughs>
0: Elaine goes outside and she's like, "Let me just sit here all sexy to eat the sandwich and think about witchcraft." And let's have and
1: let's have another internal monologue, shall we? Um. She says this thing
2: during the scene in her voiceover that I really liked, so I wrote it down. She's talking about how like she's not like crazy for being a witch, and she says that witchcraft is just using your will to get what you want, which I like that. You know, it's it's really accurate. There's none of that personal gain bullshit. So. Fuck that-
0: personal game bullshit.
2: It's so unfortunate that she says a line that I like that honestly probably you could find in like 110 different Wicca 101 books but she says a line that I like and then immediately like uses her powers to like seduce and kill someone right after.
1: Yeah. Womp womp. Ah
2: oh, shit Elaine you really fucked that one up.
0: Yeah so we meet we meet Wayne in in this scene so she she uses mean look apparently I don't know what that means I don't like Pokemon. Okay. It's a
1: it's a move where a Pokemon can use then the other one can't escape.
0: Um, Oh Yeah, I guess
1: that is kind of what she does. Yeah. It's
0: very that. So,
1: yeah. Elaine, like, convinces uh, Wayne to take her to this cabin he has in the woods.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's always pretty pretty obvious, but I just want to, like, say it. Elaine uses her love magic prue eyes on literally every man she sees.
0: Yes, she does.
2: There are no men in the movie that she does not do this to, like, if she's in a scene with them. Like, she's immediately like, oh, that's your husband. I want that one. She's sitting there eating a sandwich, and she's like, oh, there's a man literally way over there. I want that one too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, you guys, relatable. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Basically. But just like every single man, she must have them. Gotta catch them all. I mean, look. (laughs) Um... So immediately, like, they just take off together. Like, he's in the middle of trying to fuck one of his students. He gets one look at her scary-ass witch eyes. And then he ditches the blonde and talks to her. And within, like, two minutes, they're like, yeah, let's go off to my cabin and be in a relationship. And so I guess Elaine and Wayne are the real lesbians here. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly.
0: Is that not you, though? So what happens is basically Elaine date-rapes Wayne. Mm Mm-hmm it really is. And we had a conversation about this earlier. Yeah, cuz it's like I was a little I was a little like trepidatious about calling it that point blank because in the beginning Wayne wants to have sex with her.
1: Yeah, what's what the issue with it is like Elaine giving in my opinion, is Elaine giving him the uh, hallucinogenic herbs? Like the they both like the sex. In my opinion, is consensual on both sides. They both want to do it. What is not consensual is Elaine putting Wayne in an altered state.
2: It's totally not consensual. Soup's not yeah. cool. She doesn't tell him about it until after he's already drank it. Yep. Um yep. That's. That is literally illegal all by itself. It's called food tampering. hmm hmm And it's pretty gross. If the gender roles were reversed, even if a man and woman both wanted to have sex with each other, but before confirming that, the man drugged her... That's a date Yeah. So this is no different.
0: Yeah. Yep. Elaine cooks dinner and takes all of her clothes off before we transition into some softcore porn.
1: <coughs> Bow chicken Yeah, no, literally, that's like, that's what this is. It's very, it's very typical gender roles. Like, like, Elaine cooking dinner, Wayne lighting a fire.
2: I don't know exactly how much in the movie at this point we've gotten into, like, how Elaine thinks she has to win a man over, but it's all very sexist. It's all very, like, she has to be the woman the housewife cook for him serve him slave over him have sex with him whenever he wants like those are the tactics that she's using to try to win this guy over it just also happens to involve her drugging him for some reason
1: although I do appreciate the moment when like they walk into the house and Wayne is like all over her and then she's like I'll start the dinner (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like not yet
0: (laughs) she had to wait for the drugs to kick in
1: yeah
2: Yeah, or did she think if she didn't do her whole, like, feminine stereotype routine that it wouldn't work?
1: Possible. um, So we get some gross straight sack. An amazing scene that kind of accurately portrays, like, like a hallucinogenic experience. So
2: I, I know that, like, Wayne is supposed to be, like, this, like one-dimensional, like, man stereotype that we hate. Mm -hmm. You know, the sketchy professor. But I just can't help but see him as a victim in this scene. I find this scene terrifying as someone who in the past, has had awful experiences with drugs that i felt totally trapped by and terrified by Mm -hmm. like i i find this scene terrifying and like she does it to him without his consent and then when he's in the worst of it she abandons him and yes is it very funny that she calls him a pussy in her head while it's happening yes it's hysterical. But, like, I don't I just, I think it's horrible.
1: Elaine just really downplays the awfulness of her actions. Well, I don't even think she understands what she's doing. Like, yeah.
0: I don't think that she has... I mean, I think, obviously, she... When he fucking dies, spoiler alert, she realizes she fucked up.
2: She doesn't even take the blame then. Because you hear her think all about it, and she does not blame herself.
0: No, she... I, I don't even think she understands what she's doing. On a conscious level, I think she's just acting like she's a sociopath 100 like she does not she she is a
2: love obsessed sociopath but still yeah
0: she doesn't have any regard for anybody that's not her whatsoever and i think it's just just awful she she does a tarot reading when she is you know thinking about how much of a pussy wayne is for his you know fucking meth psychosis or whatever the fuck he's going through right now <laughs> And it's the Five of Cups, which is a card of loss, the Tower, which is a card of destruction, and then the Three of Swords again. The pain by truth thing that Siren said actually kind of makes a little bit more sense because I feel like if we think of it in the traditional by-the-book meaning of the card, it forces Elaine to, like, face what she's doing and she doesn't want to do that.
2: I mean, the real, the real sort of truth here is that Elaine is creating all of her own problems, but instead she wants to blame the men for all of it and then act like that's why it was totally
0: cool for her to kill them. Yeah. For some stupid fucking reason, she leaves behind DNA evidence.
1: Yeah. Oh, I killed this dude? Well, better fill a jar full of piss and my used tampon.
2: I have one thing to say about this witch bottle. And that is that That bitch peed a lot oh, It was
1: so much urine It was
2: full <laughs> She pees in it And then it's fucking full She filled a whole mason jar That was a big I ass mean, mason jar too ser- <laughs> Fuck her little magical craft business Because she could so make a living Selling to people about to take drug tests. Okay <laughs> <laughs> oh, That was so true
1: Ugh <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> wow! The timing of the narration of Elaine being like tampons aren't gross it comes so perfectly because every the every
0: time we watch it and she puts the tampon in the jar, I go
1: ew. We both go ew, and then she goes tampons aren't gross. Calling us the fuck out. And
0: listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Used <laughs> tampons are gross. I'm sorry. I don't care where it came from. If there is something
1: covered in blood, that's nasty. Yes. That's it's nasty. It's not it's not the it's not the fact that it came from the vagina. It's not the fact that it's the, you know, pro product of a woman's period it's the fact that it's blood and i don't like blood it's covered (laughs) in blood
2: well maybe you just guys haven't ever had the right experience with a tampon because you're not just supposed to like i don't know like cradle it or smell it or whatever you have to dunk it in
1: a mason jar full of piss (laughs) like it's oreos and milk bitches yeah and then you have to put some rosemary in there for flavor Yeah, and, and <laughs> sort of cleanse the palate. And, yeah. s-
0: and some nails, some rusty ass nails for tetanus. I have two questions. Have you ever made a witch bottle, Siren? And have you ever peed on something or in something for witchcraft? Um,
2: I have made a witch bottle, but I have not peed. For witchcraft
0: I have also not peed For witchcraft But I have also made A witch bottle With like apple cider vinegar Instead of um, urine
2: Yeah this is a little Off topic But I guess Sort of related At the same time But witch bottles Are traditionally Made for protection And I feel like When we're done Being faggots We should talk about that But um, (laughs) I made um, Sort of like a a Wish Witch bottle Mm -hmm. A long time ago And it It was Oh fuck Well it was very like I need a dick I need a man Kind (laughs) of a Okay, (laughs) Elaine. I was being a little bit of Elaine. Um, And after I made it, you know, I met my ex. So Mm. when I was going through my divorce ritual, I did shatter that witch bottle in a bonfire. Oh. But anyway, so I have made a witch bottle. (laughs) But I no longer have it, which is unfortunate because it was in an empty bottle of bitch wine. Which The bottles are iconic.
1: Oh.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so let's talk about witch bottles. They are traditionally used for protection and traditionally you do usually pee in them.
2: Yeah, um, and again, the ingredients here are basically correct. I haven't heard about tampons, but I don't see anything quote unquote wrong with her doing that. Mm -mm. But the three main ingredients in a witch bottle traditionally are P, rosemary and rusty nails which is exactly what she does
0: yeah i feel like bodily fluids in modern witchcraft especially because i mean that's very like based upon earlier traditions
2: yeah it's that comes from like old folk practices from people who like probably weren't even calling themselves witches
0: yeah uh, were- <laughs> well i read i just read in uh the book wicca for one by ray buckland which i did not care for about witch bottles and it was exactly these ingredients except for the tampon thing um but again menstrual blood is pretty common use in it's not incorrect by any means um but i feel like bodily fluids now are more commonly associated with like baneful magic like i'm gonna pee on this, so it's like I'm pissing in your face, which... Yeah, so it's like
1: disrespectful. It's yeah. more negative connotation. Yeah, but I mean, yeah.
0: I would be into that, so, like, it's fine. <laughs> uh.
2: Okay, okay, alright. So so then I have some questions for you, Phoenix. Um, yes or no? Have you ever been peed on?
0: Of course I have. I'm an adult. <laughs> it's 2022. Who, d-
2: who hasn't done some, like, piss play? Um, me, Nathan. The answer to that question is
1: me. Well, get into it 2022 the year of now
2: i am trying new things
1: the year of siren trying water sports yes 2022 the year of piss
2: first of all fuck you because i don't know if you remember but i just listened to it in our episode sticky Witches. you and david accused me of being into water sports like five separate times for like 20 minutes oh
1: that's a lot
2: fuck both of you
1: wow
0: <laughs> i forgot about that but yes we did Yes, we did.
2: I am not into water sport, listeners.
0: (laughs) Not yet, anyway.
2: But foot kissing and light razor play,
0: yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the witch bottle thing, pretty on point. You
2: know, I've always read about... Um, and they say this later in the movie, but I've always read about witch bottles being like buried on the property or like kept in the hearth Uh or something like that. Have you ever read anything about them being placed on top of graves? Because that is what Elaine does with this witch bottle. Um,
0: I have not. I do know of some practices that involve like putting rocks on graves, but no, I've never read anything about placing them on a grave. And it's weird because I don't, because everything in this movie is so accurate. I don't know if maybe Anna did get that from a witchcraft resource.
2: I mean, it's totally possible. It's just nothing I've ever read, and not to boast, but I've read a fucking lot. If
0: anybody has read that before, write into us because I've never read it, but I want to know if it's an accurate
1: practice for sure.
2: So, and what transpires is that Elaine buries Wayne on his property, assumably to like hide the body. But then there's also this sort of respectful quality about it. She don't know what the fuck she feels. I mean, this guy. she put
1: him in a suit before he before she buried him.
2: Yeah, and then she also leaves a bit of her rainbow lined clothing that he liked so much yes
1: and she says i give the rainbow to you
2: yeah but this was like after she was like calling him a pussy and like why did i fuck you vary that so then the i guess you could say i don't know is the witch bottle a sign of respect or keeping she says it's like to keep a part of herself with him but then is it also like to protect the grave from being found because bitch that did it did not work And instead, what you did is plant DNA evidence on the dead body of somebody that you killed. Yeah. On (laughs) Stupid
0: witch. Yeah. Stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid.
1: Yeah. Clearly Elaine's brain is in the 1970s because she just must not know about (laughs) DNA evidence.
0: Well, and she's like, she's not even thinking about him after she puts him in the ground. She's like, I was so depressed after my cat died. Oh my God. That was extra fucked up
2: when she's talking about her cat.
0: Yes.
1: Oh my God. And then like in into the next scene, she's, and when she's talking to Barbara, is the Barbara other, talking with Barbara, she's just like downplaying this whole thing. And then he just got really weird on me. And then he got sick. Yeah. Elaine goes to meet up with her old coven mates at a strip club slash burlesque bar. It really serves to establish that Gann and Barbara draw attention to the uh, brainwashing.
2: This whole scene is mad fucked up. Hey there, witch bitches. Sorry to literally cut your hearts out, but this episode of our podcast, much like the film The Love Witch, is just too fucking long. Here ends part one of our enchanting yet emotionally fraught review. And you'll just have to stay tuned for more homosexual hijinks in The Love Witch part two, coming at you soon wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, just know we've got a love spell with your name on it.
1: Are you a good witch or a bad witch?